You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. And after, 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 after having to sit through the Senate hearings for Brett Kavanaugh, I can affirmatively say that my polo collars are popped, locked, and ready to go here. I'm feeling like a preppy. Not really. But hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to Snarky Faith. I appreciate you guys being here for another round of Snarky Faith Radio this week. If you are new to the show... I want you to take a moment and dissect the title. Snarky. Faith. What could that mean? Because it's always fun because we get people that misunderstand the fact that we are sarcastically ripping and skewering through the craziness of Christianity in America today. So expect snark. Expect sarcasm. Expect it all to come your way. And I've got... A wonderful little treat this week for you. It's a gift. It's a gift for you. Not for me, for you. I'm giving it to you this week. That's right. I have author and friend of the show, Chris Kratzer, on to talk about his new book that's coming out. I'm excited to let you guys hear our interview, our conversation about his book, which is available on Amazon. It's called Leatherbound Terrorism. And if you're interested... Pause the show right now, unless you're listening to this live, and go check it out. But before we get to Chris Kratzer, we've got to get to your Christian Crazy of the Week. So here we go. Claude Hammers, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. All right. Well, this is a short week in the Christian Crazy, so I'm going to give you all, all, all of the Christian crazy surrounding Brett Kavanaugh in one little statement. How about it, Pat Robertson? You go, boy. But that's why the senators are going to be hearing testimony today, and I've got a special prayer that I want you to pray before we finish. The left is making a play that is unprecedented. It is demeaning, and it's uh, not worthy of the United States Senate, but it's doing it. And the prayer I want you to pray in these next few days, next few minutes, actually, because it's coming up right away, throw confusion into those who are bringing false accusations against a future Supreme Court judge. And I want to pray right now. And I want you to pray with me and then keep on praying because the the thing's going forward in, in moments. Pray with me right now. Father... Even as David said, throw confusion into the council of Ahithophel. We pray that somehow the Holy Spirit of God will throw confusion into the council 
of these myriad accusers who are coming forth against a good man who can serve honorably for decades to come in the United Supreme Court. Oh, Pat, you sexy minx. I just love how you've oriented a prayer that ignores justice. You've already made your answer clear, and you're praying against people that are saying out loud that they have been abused. Oh, this is not how God works. It's not how Christianity works. Oh, you silly old coot, Pat. Oh, I forget. You didn't take your medicine this morning. No, you're a horrible misogynist, a disgusting person. And you get the crown of the week here in your Christian crazy on Snarky Faith. You I know. I know. I know you're mourning in your hearts right now saying, but Stuart, the Christian crazy of the week was so short. Why are you stealing us of our joy of mocking the morons of American Christianity? I know. I know, children. Settle down. Settle down. Because I've got something better. I've got something way better. What is it, you may ask? I'd already mentioned it before in the show. Weren't you listening? Oh, that's right. I've got a conversation with author Chris Kratzer. So guess what? Without further ado, here we go. Well, I'm sitting here today with author Chris Kratzer. Chris is, is has a book out right now, Leather Bound Terrorism. We've had Chris on the show before, and I know he has this book that's out now, but Chris um, what I wanted to mention to you, I think we talked about this either on the air or off the air last time we talked. You'd mentioned about this book coming out. So this is like, this is good old-fashioned Christian accountability. So, we'll ah, say, ah. <laughs> so, so brother, brother, how are you on your accountability for writing a book? Listen, uh. I pressed so hard into Jesus to get this book out. <laughs> I mean. Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> So many jokes came to mind, but I'm just going to keep rolling on this one right now. Um, yes. So, but, but uh, for those that don't know you, uh, who really should, um, and hopefully after this time we have here with Chris today, that you guys will have a better perspective and go out and buy his book because it is quite excellent. Um, so Chris, you are the pastor of 23 years. You served in the conservative evangelical church, but, but something happened. And now you're writing a book about this as well, too. So, so Chris, yeah, give us give us a little bit of background as we will unpack the book over this uh, throughout this interview. But give us a background of what kind of has led you to writing this book. Yeah. So, um, well, I did have, you know, a big transition uh, from conservative evangelicalism. It didn't, you know, happen overnight. Um, there was, a, you know, several things that kind of one led to the other to finally, you know, um, you know, push the transition completely through. Um, during that time, you know, I had um, uh, been my pastor who actually writes the forward of the book, uh, Michael, had actually called me and basically in the in the best way that he knew how without insulting me, basically said, hey, Chris, I just wanted to catch up with you. And here's something I've been thinking about, you know, Chris, I've been really thinking about you. You're, you're, you're a pretty good speaker. You know, you're a pretty good preacher. 
And I'm going, oh, crap. So where is this going? <laughs> and he says, but you know what? He says, you're a great writer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because at that time I had a blog, but I wrote on it maybe once every six months. I wasn't writing. I didn't think of myself as a writer or having any capacity with writing. Mm -hmm. And so when he said that, I was just a little put out by that. And he says, you got to write. You got to start writing. This is your thing. This is your gift. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But over time, um, I took him seriously because he when he speaks, you know, and I've known him for many, many years, he he is always on. And so I did uh, take that seriously. And so I started writing on the blog, literally, uh, seriously and intentionally. And the first article I wrote, um, without me trying, without putting any effort into it, literally overnight went viral. I mean, it just, I mean, I, I woke up the next morning and I had, you know, tons of comments and, you know, several thousand hits on it and shares on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. And so that really started, um, the process of writing. And then, um, uh, you know, I did that you know, on the, on the blog and, you know, a following grew out of that. And then some people said, Hey, you know, down the road a little bit, you know, about a year or two into this said, you know, you need to write a book. Mm. And I really, pushed back at that. I, I had never really wanted to write a book. I, I didn't feel like that I really had anything to put out there. Um, and so I've always been a reluctant re writer in general, but I certainly had to be pulled into this idea of really writing a book. Mm -hmm. But then finally, uh, through a couple of meetings and some people who I really respect uh, their admonition to me to do it, I felt a responsibility that I need to do this. And that's what pushed me over the edge to, to write the book. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and also, I think you had shared with me offline that you had read um, Your Best Life Now by Joel Osteen, I think at some point. And, and that was, wasn't that, I think that was one of the catalysts because you did. You wanted your best life, not later, but now. now but now, right now, no, <laughs> I, I, I want the plane. I want, oh, the, I want the house. Seriously. I it's, want the, you know, the Never mind. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. You've done that too. And so, and so for you in speaking about this too, like in your movement kind of out of what you would call, especially in Christian circles, full-time ministry, um, you know, that kind of circle, like, like for you, like was waking up, was it was it a, was there a big moment or was it lots of small ones? It was um, probably a few, a few. I would I wouldn't call them big moments, but a few significant moments. I mm -hmm. think uh, one was, um, you know, and in the book, you know, these really get fleshed out. But one was the adoption of of, of two of our children from China, um, and coming back having experienced that culture and what Christianity is there compared to corporate American Christianity. And then uh, really getting connected with what, for lack of a better terminology, what is termed as the pure gospel of grace, that that real grace message um, that's out there. People like Steve McVeigh and um, others. 
uh, and listening to that. But then, and then really in terms of the, uh, a big part of the transition was becoming an LGBTQ affirming pastor and, and going through that process. Um, and that was a big deal, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, um, so yeah, those 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 three things I think probably were the biggest of the transitions, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and, and then of course, but the 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 whole and like the book tells the 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 longer story of that the, you know, the awakening to grace that happened for me. The stories that are around that are just those are huge, mm-hmm. yeah, big time. And 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 a lot of those are the uh, if you want to find out more. You got to buy the book. Is that <laughs> well, not, no, I know I, you're not saying that. Yes. I know that I'm saying that it, for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it would be hard to flesh out in a, in a format like this, but yeah. Um, yeah, those are, those are big. Well, one, one thing I, I wanted to do, cause is I've gone, I've gone through the book and I, and I've, and for me just personally, I've, I've really, really enjoyed this read. Um, in many ways, for me, it was being able to kind of hear my own story. It's in a certain ways, like what you did is you put words to my experience. So, I mean, on a personal note, thank you for writing the book just for me. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, no, but it was, it did. You put, you were putting words yeah, to it to a very similar experience. I mean, even down to like a weird granular level where you're, uh, where I'm like, oh my gosh, I was in the hospital frequently for asthma as a kid. Oh, wait, yeah. what is this? Conservative parents, check. You know, uh, yeah. dysfunctional family, check. Um, faith wrapped up all in that Jack. And so I was just, I was reading this and I was just going like, Oh, for me, it was very cathartic. Um, I'm reading through this going like, Oh wait, I'm not the only one, even though I I know, I know it, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're not the only one, but somehow as you read someone's words and someone's journey and someone's story, the way that you were kind of painting the picture, I was just like, Oh yes. I'm so happy that someone put words to this. Um, Well, and that was kind of the hope in, being that vulnerable is to connect the dots because I mean, you know, what we see playing out in conservative evangelicalism in a church scale, but then in a greater scale of politics in America and social things in America, what you see playing out comes from that system. And, you know, anybody, I think most people come from some kind of dysfunction in their family where love is conditional where performance is the measuring stick and you know there's expectations and family systems and inside secrets and you know all that kind of stuff that goes on and and i think for most people there's some level of abuse and emotional manipulation and what i try to do in the book is to help people see that that just primes us to be seduced into a spiritual system that has all the same things and more. And you're, and you're tipping on that. So what I wanted to do is instead of completely tell everything the book is about, uh, what I wanted to do is to be able to highlight some parts of this. And, and in the book, I know you had said this, you said there's no greater evil being wielded upon the planet than conservative evangelicalism. So can you unpack that a little bit if you can? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, if you look, uh, the, the actual Greek word for evil in the new Testament, the, the, the underlying idea of that word, the root of that word actually means to make a name for yourself. 
Mm. And it's based on performance. It's based on you, you know, doing something, growing, performing, obeying. Somehow your righteousness, your salvation, your value, your worth, uh, your identity is based on a certain level of your ability to perform and do better and get better and grow and be faithful. And that whole idea is the essence of evil. Because, I mean, think about what that has done. I mean, the think about just like with, with the issue of sin. Mm-hmm. The solution to sin is not to try to do better. The only thing that can cure a stronghold or a presence of sin in a person's life is grace. When you really understand the message of grace and the fact that – and I write this in the book – and that you are you, – you really – Sin will always have power in you until you realize you have the full freedom from God to sin mm-hmm. without, you know, without um, consequence to your relationship with him and your standing with him. And it's that message and that awareness that actually diffuses the power of sin that enables people to actually move past it. You know, when Jesus you know, came to the woman – and, you know, who was caught in adultery, and he said, I don't condemn you. It's that message of non-condemnation that enabled her to move away from it. So the evil for me is in the system, it's in the performance, it's in, it's, you know, pimping the the poison as the cure. Mm. Um, and that's evil. I mean, you, you know, if you, when you read the book, you're going to see what the consequences of that in people's lives are when you live by that sense of fear of God and, uh, you know, uh, a kind of like relationship with God that, that hinges on your ability to respond appropriately. You know, when you start to flesh out that, that spirit of condition, that is a big part of the evangelical gospel Mm. or their, their idea of it, that, brings about every evil you can think of on the planet. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I, I'm yeah. seeing that. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I think that that'll preach. Um, and no, you're right about that. And, and as you're talking about this, because I know this is, this is a central part of your work and who you are. So talk a little more about but what you mean about this gospel of grace. Well, for me, you know, I think there everybody has their view of grace. Everybody's somewhere on this spectrum of grace and you know, for some people grace is like the it's like the bait. You know, grace is God's way of getting you interested and then you get the truth, which is the real truth and that's, you know, God's going to, you know, drop kick you into the field goal of hell if you don't respond properly, you know. Mm-hmm. He loves you so much that he died for you that if you don't love him in return, he's just going to, you know, fry you in an eternal torment. So there's that version. But for me, you know, grace is it's everything. It's the fact that, you know, all are saved, all are whole, all are righteous, all are children of God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, not because of we we do, but because of what he has done and secured and, and established on behalf of every person and that we you know, are 
walking, living trinities in the flesh, that we don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, a relationship has this idea of of exchange, you know, like if I have to keep a relationship, I have to do my part to maintain it. We don't have that. There's no such thing as a relationship with God. There's only a sense of awakening to the communion that we have with God that's that's been there from the very beginning that is inseparable and it's 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 irrevocable. And um you know and and to me grace is what awakens us to the Jesus who has already, you know, secured on our behalf all these things. And um, so that's kind of a beginning mm-hmm. understanding of that. No, I, it's, 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 I think that, that, was, that was a really, really good nutshell. And even like in a simple way, how you were almost describing it as I'm listening to you, it almost sounds like you're describing the difference between like an abusive relationship and like a healthy, loving relationship and in many ways, because I feel like the and you outline this in, in, in many different um, avenues within the book. But but the way that the church uses to control people, um, you know, through guilt, uh, through condemnation, through all these other stuff, it ends up being uh, like almost Listen, like an abusive relationship that you're sin, stuck in. Sin is big business. Yes, it's big, big business. And without this um, treadmill that we are given to try to outrun and overcome and subdue sin, without that, evangelicalism has no message. They have no control. They have no influence. It is – listen, the sin issue of is, 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 is their only – thing and if and if that's why grace is so uh detested the pure grace of god is so detested by of all people evangelical christians you would think why because it 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 undermines and it um disarms the most important aspect of their ability as you said to control and to gain followers and to have loyalty and all these other things that come with it and, and I think that you exemplified this well. One, another quote I pulled out from you, um, you'd said, pursuing God, chasing after God, hungering for more God, and begging God to come, bless, and even forgive, though all seemingly innocent spiritual pursuits are actually confessions that he is not already here, that his grace is not sufficient, and his choosing of us is somehow inadequate. And I know, I know you're kind of speaking about this in this nebulous of this grace thing, but give us the alternative. So this idea of needing, like we're somehow insufficient, we're not enough, we, we're always on, like you'd mentioned, a treadmill, and it's exhausting. Uh, we need to do more, we have to volunteer more, we've got to go to more services. Somehow, always, we're just trying to appease God, which in, like, at the core of it feels very pagan, uh, if we're going to talk church terms. Uh, you know, talking about very pagan, that somehow God is always pissed off and we always have to appease him. You know, it seems very much like, oh, I, we need to, if our crops are growing well this year, we need to give uh, the God of crops more crops to make sure he's not pissed off. But if our crops are bad, we have to give God, the God of the crops, more fruit or more whatever it is. And it's this endless cycle where you're never in good standing. You're yeah. never in a good place. You and that's a lot of need crop. More. Hmm? <laughs> I said, and that's a lot of crop. 
Ah, oh, there you go. No, no, that was good. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. It is. It is. I'm <laughs> here all day. <laughs> no, but so, I mean, so we do this, and I think a lot of people that resonate, that listen to this show and resonate with this idea that there's more, but the what we see right now of Christianity, especially in America, especially conservative circles, especially evangelical circles, is leaving people saying, uh, if this is God, if this is our route to Jesus, no, thank you. Um, and And I don't blame them for that. But you continue, especially speaking about grace, to offer something different. So even to tease this out more, instead of this God that we're having to constantly do more or be more or we're not enough for, what is this God that you speak of that is full of grace? Give us a picture. Well, you know, God self-describes himself as love, mm. you know, and pure love. I mean, not love plus or not love but or not love, you know, if. Um, it's just love, period. End of sentence. God is love. That's the beginning and ending. And, you know, until our theology is love, we'll always be um, leaning on our own understanding to the Mm -hmm. detriment of other people. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll always be just playing around um, and and hoping, you know, that we, we have something of value when probably we have something more of hurt for people. And so the, the alternative is, you know, God, you know, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's love. It's, uh, and you know, the all, you know, to believe is to rest, Mm. you know, to believe is to rest. I mean, I mean, you know, when, when, when it says in, in, I think Paul was really getting on to something when he said, you know, that God's grace is sufficient. I mean, either it's sufficient or it's not. You can't say something is sufficient and then have a clause to that. You can't have a, a condition wrapped with that. It's either sufficient means it's going to do everything that needs to be done or it's not. Mm-hmm. And so I think Paul was really getting there. And um when 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 Jesus becomes completely sufficient, when when you you just rest, there's no more fidgetiness, there's no more spiritual angst, there's no more, oh shit, I just said shit, um, you know stuff like that. There's there's no more, you know, I've got to keep up with the neighbors next door and and all the you know Bibles they have on their coffee table and <laughs> and all the you know cheesy you know, sans serif Facebook fonts posts, you know, with memes of pictures of their coffee next to the Bible as they're praying in the morning devotion. You know, there's no more of that. There's no more. I've got to have my hands in the air higher and worship and, you know, and, you know, spiritual navel gazing and, you know, this kind of, I mean, there's just no, you, all that stuff, not only is, is it does it is there no need from it, you start to see it as this is stupid and it's evil. Mm-hmm. This is this is you know there, there's a um, a great a story with Moses or no 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 it was um uh, with with uh, with Job that where where he you know he was confronted with all these things and his first impulse and, and God calls him on it his first impulse was to do something religious. Mm. You know, his first impulse was, oh, this all this crap is happening to me. I better step up my game. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I think that's evangelicalism just I mean, just just ignites that idea. Mm-hmm. And but that's evil. That is, I mean, because if you really believe that Jesus 
is all and in all mm-hmm. and he's done it all and his grace then then there's only one response that truly shows that and that is to just simply rest mm. you know what i don't have to do a damn thing mm. i get to i get to I get to do some cool thing, but I don't have to do a damn thing and I can fully be me and I can, I can actually play in the sandbox of sin if I want to. And the only thing it's going to cost me is the own consequences of me doing that. But it's not going to be God who is, is pulling the strings of my demise. And, um, you know, like I said, the freedom when when a person has the sense that I can I can actually be free to screw up, then screwing up doesn't look so good anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And and I talk about this in the book that you know when I struggle with certain areas of sin like pornography and things like that, man. It, I think if every Christian were honest who wrestles with that, the harder you try, the worse it gets, mm-hmm. and you can. I mean, that's the only thing you can do when you are a conservative evangelical and really be honest about it. You can only pretend that all this crap that they're mm-hmm. pimping is working and putting on you know, your church veneer and, and, and looking like you're doing it when, in fact, deep down in your heart, you know the only conclusion that's honest is nothing has gotten any better. Mm-hmm. Nothing is better. I, I may be better at faking it, but I'm not better at living it. And so that's hell, my friend. That is hell. That is a living hell. And I just think evil just chuckles and licks its chops and, you know, loves it when we just are living this lie and living this um, performance-driven spirituality. Well, much like what you'd said, I mean, every like even as I'm I'm listening to you like count all this stuff. I mean, it's exhausting. Not what you're saying is exhausting, yeah, but no. but that you know, but like all the exactly. weight, all the weight that Listen. that that's put on you is exhausting, and it's the furthest thing from rest. It's the furthest thing from rest, and you know, people say, "Well, rest is you know, you're just talking about cheap grace." Well. As soon as you put any kind of price tag or any value on grace, you've already ruined it. Grace is not a value. Grace is it. It's Mm. it's the only thing. It's the only message. It's the only thing that God has for humanity. And um, and when you know when when I you know and it's it's a process. You know it's a process of awakening. I mean I don't think anybody's there yet. But but the more I learned to rest in that. Oh my gosh. It's just like you look back at what you came out of, you go, what the hell was I doing? Mm-hmm. And the lives that have been hurt and, and damaged and relationships that have been scorched and, and the person I became, mm-hmm. um, you just look at it and go, Oh my God, I have been so duped and misled and spun around like a break dancer on crack that I am, and, and you, in, in there, for me, there was a, there, there was this at the beginning of that aware. I just, I felt so ashamed. Mm. I'm like, oh my god, all this time I wasted. And you know, it's in the book. All this time I wasted. Oh my god. So, but the, all that time wasn't wasted. As much as we want to think it is, I mean, right. I think it, it brings us to the place that we're at, where we're able to see clarity and hopefully also be able to bring messages of grace to people that need to hear yeah. it. Um, yeah. 
And um, no, I, you're right about that. And one of, one of the chapters that got me, um, and I won't, I won't tease too much into it because I, I don't want to strip it from people. But there's like, I think it's chapter 12 um, where you say, I'm sorry, I just can't do it anymore. And, yep. and you outline this and, and I've got it here. I'm just going to go through some of the, because I, I think a lot of these speak to a lot of people that are probably listening and some of the headings that you have, you go through and then explain just very beautifully, you know, I can't see people as being inherently evil and lost like anymore or who the I, hell is lost? Stuart? I, I know who the hell is lost. Someone without Google maps. Um, yeah, I don't know, but you're, you're right. I mean, you're right about that. Yeah. Well, we're, I mean, and I know it's in the scripture. Jesus yeah. came to save the lost. I really don't think that's what he had in mind. I don't think he, God sees you. You just don't be Jesus and see people as these, I just think we missed something there. And I know people, you know, I I don't see scripture as this, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this perfect, uh, you know, facts from God of his, you know, heart and mind about everything. That's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. But I, I just, this, these terms that we use, it's just, who the hell is lost? Mm-hmm. Well, and they're always derogatory, um, which again is part of the whole system that you keep people in. Because again, if you're going to label people outside your tribe, they better not have a cool name. Yeah. See, lost carries the idea that's, yeah. that, that we're somewhere beyond God. We're mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. outside of his awareness, his knowledge, his plan, his working and, I don't think anyone can find, you know, I think the writer in the Psalms was pretty clear. I can't go anywhere where you're not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. David, if we we're going to believe David wrote that, you know, I can't, I can't, I can go here. I can go there, but you're everywhere. So how can anyone truly be lost if God is always with them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it sets up a very bad standard of just kind of um, drawing lines in the sand Yeah, for who's, who's in, who's out. Um, churches do it inside the church and outside the church as well, too. Yeah. Um, and it's, well, and, yeah. and see what happens. I don't know if I talk about it in that section or not, but yeah. when you yeah. see people as evil and all this, then you, then you start to have to pre see, this is where evangelicalism really just sucks the life out of you because then you start pre-qualifying people for love. Yep. It's like, I don't want to get too close to you because if I, I don't want to send you the right, the wrong message that you're okay. I don't want you to send, I don't want you to, I don't want to, I don't dare send you the message that God loves you unconditionally because, oh God, that you, you'll steer your life into the ditch if I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you start to distance yourself and you've got to be careful because you don't want to, you know, you know, become, uh, you know, unequally yoked and all this other crap, you know, and, and, and you know, have the perception of, of participating in evil and blah, 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 blah. And, um, so, so I just couldn't do it anymore. Stuart. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just had to go, you know what, I'm going to see, I'm going to see people as, as, um, as, as living, um, as living trinities. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to see them as, um, as the incarnation of Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and that sounds all stupid and theological a little bit. But I, I, I guess seeing people like that means more in terms of what I stopped seeing them as. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm just not going to look at them and go, oh, 
I wonder what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, I, I feel like the true nature of being able to follow after the ways of Jesus, it, it should teach us how to be better humans. And, and, and I think that that ends up being one of the lies I think that we get from the church that the idea that we get that, that the divine is holy yeah, and, and the physical is, is dirty. Yeah, the flesh. The flesh, which again is a very Gnostic belief system, and that's a whole yeah. other show in itself for how that's gone away. Is the flesh is, and I don't think I talk. Maybe I do in the book. I can't remember what I write, but the flesh is actually when we turn the flesh. I don't think you know. I know Paul. You know, we sometimes people interpret that as being you know the that we have two natures at war within us, you know, Jesus is on one side of our shoulder and then you've got Satan on the other and they're at war with each other. And so, you know, putting off the flesh is to put off the presence of evil and carnality and all that stuff. I I don't see the flesh that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I I see the flesh as any time we try to turn to ourselves or something else to get from what we already have with God. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's powerful to be able to hear that, that that's the flesh. It's it's every every time I try to get from God mm-hmm. something that He's already given me, which is everything. Mm-hmm. I'm already forgiven. I'm already saved. I'm already whole. I'm already righteous. I'm already justified. I'm already pure. And so, anytime I go and do some kind of spiritual gymnastics in front of Him or for myself, that is the flesh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me. No, no, no. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. And and so, so Chris, for, for folks that have been, that either may still be in this, um, you know, for folks that are still sitting in, in the churches and pews every Sunday, for those that are in the conservative evangelical spheres, that as you sat there, or as they've sat there, stuff doesn't sit right. And, you know, as they've sat there, stuff doesn't sit right. And they either have learned to just push it aside or to bury it. But as they continue to hear these stories about this, 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 well, this, this huge gift of grace that God gives us, this idea that God loves us where we're at, um, and that we don't always need all of this just facade and BS that somehow just all it manages to do is get in the way between us and God, uh, which the American church is very good at doing, um, is, is creating stuff that I feel like almost gets in the way of God. But if there's people that, that, are, that are hearing this, like, what is your advice to them? Aside from buy the book, which is always sounds nice. <laughs> you know, no, but you know, but like, but, you know, how would, how would you? Send me money. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> There's an 800 number on your screen. Call it now. Our That's people right. are waiting. There's no, no. the prayer cloth. So. <laughs> yeah, but what is your advice? Like, what is, what? yeah, what is that advice for people that, that are struggling? And So I think my advice would be is to take a, thorough evaluation of the cost Mm. that staying in this system is having on you and your relationships and your life Mm -hmm. and to really do a hard look at, Oh my God, who have I become and what is this doing to the people and the things around me starting with myself? That's, that's a big thing for me. That was a big thing for me. The other is, that when you count that cost, what happens for a lot of people, and it you know, and it, and it happened for me, but uh, is that 
Um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you a story from the book um, that will help illustrate this. I had a worship leader uh, that um, great guy, and he was part of a church that I was pastoring. And we were at this time. I had a progressive church. We had a church where we, you know, believed that you didn't have to agree with everything that you could disagree and agree to disagree and we could all love each other. And so that was a big part of our, the ethos of our church. And we said it all the time. And so when it came to me talking about a message about homosexuality and giving an affirming view scripturally of that, mm. um, you know, I always, I, I pretext all of that with the congregation. Hey, listen, I know people are on different parts of this, different sides of this. You don't have to agree. I'm just giving this to you. So, you have a framework to understand. There are other ways of looking at this issue, right? Well, he comes to me, this worship guy. He comes to me a week before the message. You know, everybody knows this message is coming up. He says, I can't go. I, I just can't be there that Sunday. And I said, hey, you know, what? what's the problem? And he said, I just, I just, I'm just not comfortable and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, you, you know that it doesn't matter whether you agree with this or not, don't you? You're not, if you don't agree you're going to still be in the band. You know that, right? You know, this isn't your typical church. And, you know, um, I, I said, you know, and we went back and forth and went back and forth and said, I finally cornered him. I said, listen, dude, what, what are you afraid of? Mm. And to that, he said, point blank, I'm afraid you'll convince me. Mm. And, and what happens for a lot of people, and I, and I had this happen to me too, is that you start in your mind, you start to, realize, oh my gosh, I was wrong about this theological view. I was wrong about, you know, uh, this and that and that. But when you caught, when you count the cost of what that holding to that new belief is going to cost you in your relationships and in your reputation and in your workplace to you, for you to stand in a new place, you know, people say, you know what, I'm just not going to pay that. I'm just, I'm just, and, and so my message to people who are, who are struggling is, What's it going to take for you to be authentic and awaken to what you really know to be true deep down inside that you're willing to pay that kind of cost? You know, what, what's it going to take? Is it is your marriage going to have to fall apart for good? Is it your child's going to have to just completely rebel from you and your parenting? Is it, is it going to be that you're going to – all these relationships that could have been so great are just going to have to crash and burn and fry right in front of you? What is it? Are you going to have to become depressed and, and, and hate yourself and live in this self-defeating, condemnation, religious treadmill all your life? Is that, is that what you're what's – it, what's it going to take for you to realize that this is not only worth it? but it's the only way to live. Mm. Mm. Those are good words. So now we're going to enter into the, uh, the Kratzer thoughts lightning round. So we're going to, uh, so here, here we go. Here we go. So buckle up for this. So I, I would love to be able to hear your thoughts and feedback. And I think through these various topics, it'll give people a better perspective, um, of your writing, who you are and what you believe. Um, so first question is, what do you think Jesus what do you think Jesus would say about the state of things with the American church right now? So if Jesus comes back, there he is. What do you think Jesus' thoughts would be on this? 
I think he already, you know, if if what we have in the book of Revelation is is true to his words, I think we already have it. I I think it would just I just want to vomit this out of my mouth. I just want to spit this. This is so disgusting to me, and so anti Christ. I just want to spit it out, and I want to stomp on it, and I want to burn it to the ground, and I want to expose it for what it is. I like that. I like it. See, that's the Jesus I like. Um, so we're, but for you, because it's easy, it's easy for us to be able to go and say, there's all sorts of crap that we're not happy with um, in the world today, especially when it comes to um, the American church. Um, but for you, where do you see God moving? Everywhere. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I think when we're trained as evangelicals to see only God within certain parameters, that God only moves within certain things that are theologically correct and biblically in harmony and blah, 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 blah. But when you, when you jettison that your, your perspective opens up and you see God in everything. I mean, you see God where you never thought, and you have moments of worship where you never thought there would be a moment and you see ministry and life and Jesus happening everywhere and in everything. I mean, and, and it just opens up this whole to where this, you know, where, you know, where, you know, the earth and everything becomes the sanctuary and it's just, it's everywhere to me. That's, that's kind of what I think. No, it's, and it, and when you begin to view life like that, it's, it's a game changer. It, and, it is a complete game changer. Yeah. Complete. And so, okay. So then I wanted to, especially, I know this, this will air in the following week or so, but so people can hold you to this. So depending upon how the news cycle goes, yes, we're freezing your answers right now um, in this. So what do you think right now? We have the evangelical response to Brett Kavanaugh yep. that we have seen over and over again. And, and resoundingly, it's either deny, 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 or ah. It was 17, boy stuff, boy stuff. And, and I've actually seen, which has been amazing, you're talking about, like, um, just kind of just doing, like, religious gymnastics with stuff. And, and you know, he's, he's, uh, he's whatever the opposite of a man crush is on the show, uh, is Franklin Graham. Um, and he had done it quite amazingly to where, at one hand, this is like in a statement he was making, he's denying that anything happened. But if it did... Oh, come on, guys. He was just 17. He was just having a little fun. But we've continued to see certain things in these camps about this. And like any good American Christian, not everyone, but any good conservative Christian knows, the women, the women don't matter in this, right? And of course, I'm being sarcastic, which is the thing that my wife continues to tell me to say all the time to this. I'm being horribly sarcastic about this. Uh, the church should be the first line that should be saying stuff about and defending the women who have been uh, allegedly assaulted in all of this, not going to get myself into trouble. Um, but yeah, but how, but I want to hear from you. Yeah. What do you think about just the Christian response to this? For me, it's mind boggling, but at the same time, it's totally predictable. But what is Chris Kratzer's answer? Well, I, I echo that because it, it is, it's, it's disgusting. I mean, when you think about what we are actually saying, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the messages that we are sending to our daughters and yeah. Um, yeah. and to people in general, um, it, it would just the sad thing is we just have be, we're just more and more just becoming numb to this crap. Mm -hmm. 
But yet at the same time, what you see happening with, um, you know, these hearings and everything and how everybody's handling it, you literally could take that and have the, this, the same kind of thing would happening if this came up in your typical conservative evangelical church. The church elders and council would meet, and you'd be having the same kind of reaction. Well, you know, boys will be boys, and, you know, uh, and blah, 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 and, and, and the sexism and the misogyny and everything would be just it, – it, it's, it, it's just a – you know, the evangelical church, and not all of them, but I would say a good portion of it are just – that's just a little microcosm. It's just – it's just it's the incubator from which all these things come from. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just what we see playing out. I mean you literally have – you could take a church council and now just substitute that with what we see happening and how this is being handled by the Republican side of the fence. I mean, I hate, you know, and I, I know some people say, well, you're just painting a broad, you know, with a broad, but you know, you got to connect the dots somewhere. You got to put two eyeballs on this stuff and connect the dots somewhere. And, um, it, 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 it's, I'm, I'm just as disgusted about it as you. It saddens me. I mean, why, why can we not do the process, right? Mm -hmm. Why can't we take the time? Why do we have to have a rush here? Why do we, why does it seem like we're doing everything we can to, you know, hide the, hide, hide the, hide the stash of marijuana for mom and dad, you know, the problem, you know, we don't want to get caught or we don't want to, we want something. And see, that's what's happened is, is that evangelicalism is so addicted to power and privilege Mm -hmm. that, 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 they will do, and we see it. You, they'll they'll adopt, and they'll go through anything possible to keep that and promote that. You know, the it, it's just it, it's it's what it's become. Mm-hmm. That's my thoughts. Okay, so here's what I'm going to give. I'm going to give you five words or less to answer this question. I don't think it'll take you that many words. And and I also have suspicion. I'll have to mark this down on my show notes that I need to at least make sure that I may need a sensor, uh, a sensor beep for this one. So. Um, so again, I want the honest, the unfiltered crass here on this. So recently, Ted Cruz had says that, and I've heard this before from other people too, but it's this sentiment, which I love, that um, I don't really love this. It's just disgusting. But that school shootings continue to happen because we removed God from schools. What is your response, Chris, to that? That is horseshit. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. And you, you are absolutely, I know, I continue to hear this stuff, but the fact of the matter is, I know, I know evangelicals. I'm related to a bunch of them. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and we, I continue to hear this, and it's devoid of any logic or reason, or it makes God seem yeah. like a teenage which, girl. Which, the way, that is uh, just like, hmm, I'm not going in there. Forget yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, which, by the way, I think I read something where like two percent of people in Japan are Christian, right? So there's really no Christianity in schools, <laughs> and yet their 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 uh, school shooting rate is what zero, pretty much. Yeah. Well, it's because you know once you let God in, and then you ask Him to leave, it just ends up feeling rude to God, and then God gets really upset, and that's 
I don't know. None of it makes logical sense at all. But yeah. it's I, that's one of my joys is being able to try to take some of these statements and like tease out the theology yeah. or tease out the logic to this. And I'm like, wait, yeah. wait, this is the God you follow? A God? Yeah. Okay. Never mind. So as we <laughs> as we round to the end of this interview, which has been a lot of fun, and Chris, I really appreciate you for this. So if people are looking for leather bound terrorism, your new book, what is the best way for them to find it? Amazon.com. Amazon.com. Chris Kratzer, K-R-A-T-Z-E-R, the way it's spelled, very easy. And Leatherbound Terrorism is a book. If people want to be able to to continue to to hear your voice, hear your writings and all that kind of stuff, where do they find you, man? ChrisKratzer.com. ChrisKratzer.com. Do you want people flooding you on Facebook as well, too? Because you do quite a bit of, yep. Chris, Chris Krasser on Facebook made it easy enough. Well, Chris, yeah. thank you so much. I'm so excited about what's happening. And ultimately, we finally kind of connected the circle and accountability here that I'd mentioned earlier. <laughs> that, that finally, brother, you have done what you said. No, I'm joking. But no, this is it is this is a wonderful book. I, I, it, I would describe this as just very it's raw and honest. And and for you, I do feel like it was it was it was a very courageous thing to be able to be that raw and honest. Um, yeah. in sharing your heart and um, I wish you the best with this book and I'm excited to continue to see how this unfolds and where this takes you but um, but ultimately man thank you so much for your time thank you Stuart thank and you anytime we'll have you back anytime my you're friend. so pretty um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, my wife listens to these um, <laughs> all right man so thank you so much for being on the show thank you All right, that's all I've got this hour. And you may be saying to yourself, if you're a regular listener of Snarky Faith Radio, but Stuart, you didn't leave us with the good good of the week. And your answer is, you had the good good all along, Dorothy. Or essentially, oh my gosh, listening to Chris Kratzer wasn't good, good enough for you? I don't know whatever will be good, good enough for you. You don't like any presents I give you. You don't love... Oh, I'm sorry. This descended into some sort of a weird psychological rant at this moment. No, 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 no. In all seriousness, your good, good of the week was being able to listen to Chris Kratzer. And if you want more good, good, you should go over to Amazon and purchase his book, Leatherbound Terrorism. By Chris Kratzer. Christopher J. Kratzer Esquire, which is not really his name. But just look for Chris Kratzer. Kratzer with a K. And believe me. Believe me. Because that's, you know. Believe me, as Trump would say. This is actually a great book. In all honesty, this actually really is a great book. I enjoyed reading it thoroughly so much. And that is all I have this hour for you here on Snarky Faith. But just a reminder, as we end this broadcast, you can always catch us on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com or anywhere else podcasts are found here in the universe. And I want to remind you again, our number for the Snarky Hotline, 919-525-1570. Call it. Leave us messages. Tell us wonderful things. Tell us we're awful. I don't really care. But most likely, if you say something, it'll end up on live radio and live podcast. Is live podcast a thing? I'm not really sure, but I think I've kind of gotten to the end of this hour, mentally speaking. So here is what I will leave you with. I will leave you with the holiest amount 
of snark and grace and peace. Go out into this world and make a difference this week. I know you've got it in you, and I know you can do it. Be blessed. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question-askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.